Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. In an AL Central showdown, it's the Cleveland Guardians 5, the Chicago White Sox 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. Well, you know I'm always honest with you morning people, and... Uh, I was out on beautiful Lake Erie last night enjoying another gorgeous sunset, and uh, I got in my car just in time, just in time to hear Tom Hamilton say, strike three, ball game. That's right. I, I missed most of this game. I did not actually watch baseball being played last night, but I was checking on the game. I was sneaking looks at it. I was keeping track of what was going on, and of course, I dug into the highlights as soon as I got home. Uh, scoured through the stats, so I am fully ready to go to talk about this game because what a game, what a win by the Cleveland Guardians. I don't know what's more impressive, the way Tristan McKenzie pitched or the post-game press conference he gave. I mean, there were some great sound bites from the post-game press conference just talking about how these, he was like straight up. He's like, we hate the Chicago White Sox. We hate the Minnesota Twins, we hate the Kansas City Royals, and we hate the Detroit Tigers. He said anyone who's got a chance uh, to, you know, to knock us out of first place uh, basically is our enemy. Uh, so yeah, they, uh, they feel it when the AL Central comes to town, right? They feel that inner division competition. So they take these games very seriously uh, against the rest of the AL Central, and it showed on this one. He also talked about the energy in the ballpark. You brought it, Cleveland fans. You absolutely brought it. 25,521 on hand. I don't know if they're there more for the White Sox or more for the Rock and Blast fireworks after the game, but they were definitely there. Um, you know, they were definitely there to support this team. And they definitely created an atmosphere. And he said in the interview, you could feel it in the seventh inning. You could kind of feel the tension building all game to this boiling over point where the Guardians were going to come storming back. And they do it in the seventh inning. Uh, they unload for four runs in the seventh inning. Not only do they tie it, not only do they take the lead, but they blow this thing wide open. Uh, there was a great shot. Someone, you know, One of the camera people got a great shot of Quan and McKenzie on the bench right after they had taken the lead. I believe uh, that with Quan, who came in to score the go-ahead run, and they get a shot of them on the bench high-fiving. And Quan gives McKenzie this look like, we got you, man. You were so fantastic on the day, and uh, we got you. We, we, we protected you. We, we took care of it. We got you the win. Uh, his ninth win on the season. Uh, it was just a cool moment between teammates uh, that, yeah, they really had this thing locked down for McKenzie. So let's get into the details. Let's get into the storylines of the actual game. And the top storyline has to be Tristan McKenzie setting a career high with 14 strikeouts. His final line on the game, seven innings pitched, six hits, Two earned runs, no walks, 14 strikeouts, no home runs allowed in this one. That's big for Sticks. On 101 pitches, he's only hard hit four times. Only hard hit four times. And two of those come in that little first inning rally against him. 
So, uh, yeah, really, really limiting the damage uh, throughout this game and then just being dominant with his curveball. I mean, absolutely filthy dominant with his curveball. Of all his strikeouts, of the 14 career-high strikeouts, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six of them come via the curveball, four come of them via the slider, and then four via the fastball. And I can tell you all the sliders and all the curveballs are down below the belt. Most of them are down in a way to the glove side for McKenzie. One curveball he drops on the arm side of the plate to A.J. Pollock. Uh, and then the fastballs, he pops two on the outside edge of the plate for him to his glove side. And then two at the top of the strike zone. Uh, both swinging strikes to Vaughn and to Yohan Moncada. Uh, Mancada's was bad too. Mancada looked like he did not want to swing at a fastball. He looked like he was like, all right, McKenzie's definitely, that was what was beautiful about his fastballs. When he threw his fastballs for strikes, you could tell that, or for strike three, you could tell that the hitters were thinking, why didn't I just get a curveball? I thought this guy was striking us all out on curveballs and sliders. Why did I not get a curveball here? That's exactly what Mancada looked like swinging at this fastball at the top of the zone. That's what uh, Jose Abreu looked like when he locked him up with a fastball at the thighs on the outside edge of the plate. They looked bad swinging at that fastball for strike three because uh, the curveball was so freaking good on the day. Uh, going over to his player breakdown page, this is one of the, honestly, this is one of the nicest player breakdown pages I have ever seen. Uh, on 19 swings on his curveball, they whiffed 12 times. A 63% whiff rate on that curveball. Uh, a 29% whiff rate on the slider. Uh, they put a few, one more, or two more of those in play than they did the curveball. Uh, only three curveballs put in play, five sliders put in play. And then the fastball even had a 35% whiff rate. Plus, add in 14 called strikes. It's a 50% CSW on the fastball. They only put four fastballs in play the entire night. They had an average exit velocity on the night of 85.5. But uh, it's a 44% total CSW on the day for Tristan McKenzie. Now, I don't think StatCast is going to be able to tell me, like, what is McKenzie's highest CSW numbers ever uh, in a single game. I, I don't have access to that data, but I can tell you that his whiff rate on the season for his curveball is at 44.3%. So that's his average whiff, whiff rate on the season, uh, pretty much right up there with his career high, basically. Last year, was at 44.4. So that pitch, that curveball has a 44% whiff rate. Uh, and then in this game, he's got that curveball up to a 60 3% whiff rate. So that shows you how far over his career average, how far over his season average he is getting guys to swing and miss at that curveball yesterday. Um, yeah, God, it's just such a dominant performance from Tristan McKenzie. Those hitters looked so off balance all day against him. And he was, I mean, he was, to show how in command he was, he was working so far ahead. Love the count breakdown here. He allowed, of the 26 batters he faced, only seven guys 
get uh, get to a 1-0 count. Only seven of the 26 get to a 1-0 count. That means, does that mean 19 guys start with a called strike one uh, for the first pitch strike? I believe so. Only one batter gets to 2-0. Of those seven, six immediately go to 1-1. One one. Only one batter gets to 2-0. Nobody gets to 3-0. Nobody even gets to 3-1. One guy gets the full count. Every, he was working ahead on everybody. It's all down. Remember, we talked about this before. The uh, the count breakdown here, um, you know, it's a, it's an oval shape, and everything is down the left side in this one. In the 01 counts, in the 02 counts, the 1 2 counts, just working ahead of everybody on the day. Uh, and that bled over to the bullpen, too. Even Trevor Stephan and Emmanuel Classe were working ahead of everybody on the day. That's how dominant the pitching staff was yesterday. So, I mean, it's an absolutely fantastic day. Yeah, they get to him a little bit in that first inning. Uh, McKenzie said they were being aggressive early. McKenzie, by the way, sitting there in a Pitching Ninja t-shirt. He definitely knows how to get Pitching Ninja's attention. He knows he's going to get some some extra video clips, some extra highlights posted for wearing that Pitching Ninja t-shirt in the post-game interview. Um, If he's not... I, I can't imagine anybody was out there better. I didn't look through the entire box score of the entire league yesterday, but I can't imagine anybody was as filthy as Tristan McKenzie was on the day. Like, if he's not in the Pitching Ninja's top performances of the day, I'll be shocked. Um, so, yeah, they, he said they were being aggressive early, and they were. I mean, A.J. Pollock swings at the first pitch. I think a lot of these hits in the first inning, including Jose Abreu's ridiculous infield single. Like, first baseman like Jose Abreu should not be hitting infield singles, but he just dribbles one down the third base line that brings in the first run. Mankata does square one up at 99.5, but then he gets the double play to get out of it. And, I mean, just locks in. Locks in after that. Strikes out two in the second. Strikes out two more in the third. Strikes out two more in the fourth. Strikes out two. Strikes out the side in the fifth after a leadoff double to Josh Harrison. And Josh Harrison almost scores in the fifth inning. But it's a weird play with Austin Hedges uh, chasing a wild pitch. Harrison moves up to third. He looks like he's going to go home, but the pitch actually rolls into the dugout. Uh, and Hedges makes a ridiculous slide uh, down the steps of the dugout. So Harrison actually has to stop and go back to third because the ball goes out of play. Uh, it's one of those situations where like a ground will double I think we talked about this two days ago where the ground will double actually meant the runners couldn't advance as much as they wanted to. The same kind of situation here. Harrison probably could have gone home if this ball doesn't go into the dugout. But then he strikes out the side. Uh, Even with a backup catcher coming in, it doesn't affect his performance. He still strikes out the side. Now, the interesting thing here is Hedges, did he hurt himself? Uh, Francona said he kind of got his foot caught in the grate of the dugout. Uh, heard a pop, maybe, and just didn't feel like he can move and block the ball on that ankle. I'm guessing the ankle if he heard a pop, uh, but said he was already feeling better. Said how he wakes up this morning would determine how you know what they would do. And we've all been there where we're like, we're fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I walk it off, I'm walking it off. And then you wake up the next morning and you look at your significant other and go, 
that I'm not walking this off. I, I screwed up. I'm not fine. <laughs> uh, we might need to go for x-rays. So, yeah, we'll see. They said structurally, the imaging, he looked all right. Nothing looked broken. So, uh, we'll see how Hedges feels this morning. And Mandy Bell had an article. I know some of you out there, some of you, some of you, especially Guardians Twitter, loves keeping an eye on who the next prospect getting called up is. And it might be Bo Naylor. It might be. Mandy Bell made it very clear in her article that, like, it could be time for Bo Naylor. If Hedges needs a quick IL stint uh, to let his ankle calm down, it could be time to see the de- debut of Josh's younger brother of Bo Naylor. So that would be exciting. Two Naylors in the lineup. Man, that'd be a lot of fun. I mean, f- Can you imagine the headbutts that would be going around? I don't know if Bo is like his older brother. I don't know if he lays down headbutts uh, for walk-off wins. But uh, we'll see. Man, that would be... I hope Hedges is all right because, you know, he is definitely an important member of this team. But, uh, yeah. So, he strikes out the side in the fifth inning. Why not add two more strikeouts in the sixth? And why not two more strikeouts in the seventh? I mean, just dominant on the day. Uh, man, those White Sox hitters. Who got it the worst? Yoan Moncada strikes out three times. Uh, he takes it the most of any White Sox uh, in the lineup. So, I I mean, can I gush about Tristan McKenzie anymore in this game? I mean, it's just, I don't know how many ways I can continue to tell you that he was absolutely fantastic. And you know what? It was was ace-level stuff. I mean, he really felt like an ace out there. I know he's still like the skinniest guy in baseball, and even he jokes about it. But, man, he was explosive on that mound. He was so dominant. He was so confident. He was screaming into the glove after, you know, getting that final strike out of the inning. He was so fired up. Uh, and the whole team was feeding off it. I mean, they really felt like ace-level stuff from Tristan McKenzie in this one. So, yeah. Uh, and while, while we're talking about pitching, why not mention that the bullpen totally picks him up once they get the 5-2 to two lead. Trevor Steffen uh, has a nice, solid eighth inning. And then Emmanuel Classe shuts the door in the ninth with two strikeouts. Uh, and uh, like I said, that's the highlight. That's what I made when I made it into the game. Strike three, ball game. That's exactly where I tuned in on this one from Emmanuel Classe. So, uh, all right. The other side of things, of course, the Guardians have to score some runs to make this a game. And boy, for a long time, Lance Lynn was looking good. I mean, he pitched a decent game. Five and two thirds, gave up five hits. Only one earned run, uh, a walk, six strikeouts. Uh, the solo home run was the only run he gave up. On uh, 95 pitches, though, they got his pitch count up. They hard hit him seven times, uh, but couldn't break through for any runs until a solo home run from Jose Ramirez in the sixth inning. And Lynn was getting it done with a high fastball. Uh, he really, really was strong with that high fastball. In fact, five of his six strikeouts come via a fastball up above the strike zone. All right, where well, maybe Andres Jimenez's strikeout was right at the top of the strike zone, but everything else is up above the strike zone, except for a changeup at the knees where he locked up Stephen Kwan on a 1-2 count. Uh, Kwan definitely thought this was going to fall out the bottom of the strike zone. Instead, it sits right at the knees, and he's rung up for strike three. But everything else was up at the top of the strike zone. And Lynn's fastball, his CSW is really nice on this. He's got a 41% whiff rate on his fastball. They only put five in play. 
Uh, a nine called strikes, good for a 38% CSW on that pitch. Uh, it's only a 31% CSW total on the day, though, and they definitely wore him down. All right, they got the pitch count up, and then uh, Jose Ramirez finally gets a pitch he can handle. Uh, he finally gets a changeup. Not many pitches from Lance Lynn were sitting middle of the zone, but he finally gets one that he can handle and makes him pay with a solo home run. Uh, he was staying away from him the whole at-bat. Starts him off with a cutter up and away for a called strike. Tries to go with a four-seam fastball, but misses high and away. Then comes back on that outside edge and drops a changeup. But this is right at the belt, and Jose Ramirez destroys it. 104.1 miles per hour, 390 out to the seats in right field, and it brings the stadium alive. A stadium that very easily could have uh, you know, lost some momentum in this inning because the batter right before Ahmed Rosario thinks he's going to leg out a double, and he's thrown out at second base. Do I fault Ahmed Rosario? Not at all. It was just a great play by the White Sox to get that ball back in and get the tag down. Um, Elvis Andrews, who now is on the White Sox, and that one was a little, felt like a trade without the trade deadline, didn't it? Didn't it feel like the White Sox, I mean, they lose their shortstop, Tim Anderson, and uh, all of a sudden, Oakland's like, hey, uh, we're, we're done with this veteran here. Uh, we're just going to, you know, wave him. Oh, White Sox, go ahead, pick him up. Sure, yeah, no problem. Uh, that felt a little bit like, uh, something, I wonder if anyone made a phone call behind the scenes there going, guys, we desperately need a shortstop. Uh, and Oakland going, well, we're not in this thing. Here, go ahead and take all this answers. Um, so, uh, yeah, Jose Ramirez hammers the home run. It lets the crowd know that they are not done, that they are still in this game. And then the bottom of the seventh inning against the uh, White Sox bullpen, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, and the Guardians offense goes off. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Luke Maley starts it off. Uh, starts off the rally with a one-out double. He smokes one 106.5 miles per hour into the left field corner, and he legs out a double. Now, for each of these things, I got some interesting stats for you. So, Luke Maley, you know, one of the things we talked about at the trade deadline is we needed a slugging catcher. We wanted a catcher in here that had a little pop. Well, I'll tell you, since the trade deadline for the month of August, Luke Maley is hitting 385. He's slugging 692. He's got an OPS of 1.121. You wanted a slugging catcher. Luke Maley kind of has shown up since the trade deadline. Since they didn't trade for a catcher, Luke Maley has kind of showed up. It's in some limited at-bats. He's, he's you know, Hedges has probably gotten more at-bats than him this month. But Maley has shown up offensively, and he does it here. He gets things started with a double. After a straw ground out, it brings up Stephen Kwan, and Kwan takes an inside pitch and kind of bloops it down the right field line. I mean, he works a long at-bat here, a five-pitch at-bat against Ronaldo Lopez and uh, starts him off with a four-seam fastball for a called strike. Yeah, Kwan pretty much looks at the first pitch every time. Uh, a slider in the dirt, uh, another slider down at the bottom of the zone. So he's shown on that slider twice now, comes back with a high fastball that he swings through for a strike at 98.3. Instead of going high fastball again, he thinks, I'm going slider down again, right? I'm going to get him to chase this slider. Uh-uh. This one stays up at the knees, but it's way inside. Instead of, you know, he struck out on a back foot slider a few days ago. This one, he gets the barrel head down there. 
only hits a 78 mile per hour exit velocity. I only had an expected batting average of 280, but it was in the perfect spot down the right field line. It rolls all the way into the corner, and Quan can run for days. And I just, I love watching Quan round second base and head for third. I mean, nobody looks like they're running harder. He has such, he has such a look of determination in his face when he rounds second and heads for third. And he legs out a triple here. Brings in Maley to score, ties the game. He's got everything going. He's got the finger guns. He's got everything going at third base. He is uh, fired up to say the least. And uh, so, yeah, he ties the game up right there. And then after uh, Ahmed Rosario would come up, first pitch, not messing around, just shoots one through the left side with a single, and it brings in Quan to score. Uh, so, yeah, we take the lead here. Then after a Jose Ramirez walk, a Josh Naylor walk, that brings up Andres Jimenez with the bases loaded. And Andres Jimenez, it's against a left-handed pitcher now at this point. Uh, he's no longer facing Ronaldo Lopez. Jake Diekman is now in the game. And, uh, man, he does not mess around. First pitch. Now, they shift over on him pretty hard. And, yeah, looking at uh, the illustrator for Andres Jimenez... His spray chart shows that he will hit the ball over. Like, if you look at his spray chart for the season, he is singled all over the field. Left side, right side, doesn't matter. Against left-handed pitching, though, they have a spray chart heat map, and it'll show you that, yes, his tendency is to hit towards second base, uh, towards first base, off a left-handed pitcher. But that's not to say that he doesn't hit the ball at all towards the shortstop spot in the field. He has hit plenty of balls that way. That's just not uh, his tendency uh, against the left-handed. So they do shift over. They bring that shortstop behind second base. They put a huge hole, huge hole on the left side. He doesn't waste any time. First pitch, he gets an inside uh, sinker, and he just he keeps the hips closed. I mean, you want to talk about the mechanics of hitting the other way when you need it, when you need that RBI, when you need to get it done. He keeps that front hip just locked closed, keeps the hands back. He's so patient on this pitch and just pops it through the shortstop spot in the field. 80.4 miles per hour, rolls it right out in the left field for an RBI single. Uh, brings two runs in a score because, of course, it does. Jose Ramirez running hard. Uh, and yeah, a huge hit from Andres Jimenez, you know, in a late situation, in a clutch situation. Why not? Let's remind you of all the clutch stats from Andres Jimenez on the season. Two outs and runners in scoring position. He's now up to a 404 batting average with a 1.313 OPS. Uh, late and close. He's a 358 with an over a thousand OPS. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. In high leverage situations, he's a 378 hitter with a over a thousand OPS, over an 1100 OPS. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Set innings seven through nine. Uh, so innings one through three, he's got 16 RBIs. Innings four through six, he's got 14 RBIs. Innings seven through nine, he's got 24 RBIs. I mean, that's a huge percentage of his RBIs coming late in the game. Against relief pitchers, he's hitting 331 with a 923 OPS. I mean, this guy just thrives late in games, and he does it again with two more RBIs late in a game, uh, getting to another relief pitcher, and that would be all the Guardians needed to win this thing. Like I said, Stefan and Akase come in and shut the door, and it's just a fantastic win 
for your Cleveland Guardians. A win against another AL Central opponent. Now, unfortunately, the Minnesota Twins are on a little four-game win streak, so we're still only a game up in the division. So we have still got our work cut out for us in this thing. And uh, this weekend series, it's going to be tough pitching matchups the whole time. Uh, tonight's game, a 6-10 start in Cleveland, you know, Eastern time. We've got Bieber going up against Cueto. And then Sunday is going to be... Sunday is going to be interesting. Remember, Savali coming off a double-digit strikeouts against the Tigers is going up against Dylan Cease, who uh, was really dominant, uh, you know, against the Houston Astros his last time out. Cease is going for that AL Cy Young, and the Guardians are going to have their work cut out for them on that Sunday finale. That's a Peacock game, by the way. So that's going to be one of those early morning Peacock games. So be ready for that. So, yeah, I mean, what a fun way, though, to start this series. What an incredible way. I I don't have more. I mean, it's a pretty simple game. It was a pretty straightforward game. McKenzie just dominant. Lynn dominant. And then the White Sox bullpen cannot hold it together. Uh, So, yeah, an absolutely fun win for your Cleveland Guardians. The stadium was rocking. Man, it felt like a little playoff baseball, didn't it? It felt like some playoff baseball. All right, MVP on the day, definitely Tristan McKenzie. Definitely, as clutch as everybody was uh, late in the game. You know, most of the offense definitely came from the top of the order, one through five. Uh, Maley is the only one with a hit, uh, six through nine. It was nice to see Nolan Jones in there, but he does strike out twice on the day. Um, Now, Straw gives you nothing again from the ninth spot in the lineup. So, uh, Maley was the only one with a hit. Six through nine. So most of your offense comings from the top of the lineup. But I mean, it's clear. 14 strikeouts. You set a career high in strikeouts. You get the win. You pitch like an ace. You're definitely taking home MVP on the day for Tristan McKenzie. Um, all right. Let's get out of here on this one. I do have an email from uh, Ken. Uh, but Ken, I think I'm going to need some more time. He asked me about the Guardians being low ball hitters. Uh, on the season. And Ken, I think I'm just going to need a little more time to look over some of these numbers, look over some of these heat maps and see, uh, and let you know, let you know what's going on with the guardians hitter. So Ken, give me another day to answer your email. Uh, we'll wrap this episode up. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from progressive field. It's the guardians five, the white Sox two. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting the podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.